The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on Voice America, America's Voice. A very interesting guest for you in our first half hour and also in our second half hour. We're talking to Joanna Charnas, who was 19 when she woke up one morning in a debilitated state that remained a mystery for 17 years until she was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. It was a relief to finally name the illness, yet discouraging to be without standardized treatment or actual care or cure. However, just by living well with chronic illness, Joanna developed a toolbox of helpful tips and resources that she shares in this short self-help guide for anyone who has chronic illness or who knows and cares about someone who does. Welcome, Joanna. Hello, Patricia. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is really uh, an important book. Now, you are a licensed social worker? Licensed clinical social worker, yes. Okay, and... and, um, and you now, since 1988, you work in the mental health department of a large California teaching hospital. Actually, since 2008. Okay. All right. And you are basically helping other patients understand this, correct? I'm helping mental, mental health patients understand how to live with their ongoing mental health issues, yes. Okay. Now, your book has been divided into four categories, and the first one is dealing with the emotional issues, which is always a hard one. And that's, you know, how do you handle that, always being tired? Talk about attitude. Um, I like to say that attitude is the king, queen, and sun god rolled into one. Mm. Because attitude is the driving force with how we choose to live with chronic illness. So having a good attitude doesn't mean that we don't have challenging feelings. And so what I suggest in the book and to my patients is that it's okay to feel anything. It's okay to be sad or grief-stricken or frustrated, but I encourage them to be in the moment with those feelings and then try to move on to the best of their ability. And you can do that through distraction, through mindfulness, through yeah. purposefulness, but not to dwell on those feelings once you've fully experienced them. And it's the difference between at 10 a.m. in the morning saying, boy, that crying jag was hard and I feel sad and I'm having a bad day. I never say I'm having a bad day until I go to bed. And then I say, okay, that was a hard day. Mm-hmm. Because when you give power to the negativity, it controls you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a, and that is something I think in my life I have to really practice all the time. You know, particularly in the kind of work I do, which is media, but it's also sales. And so mm-hmm. you're going to get rejection from people. And you know, this is a different different type of thing, but still, there's a pain involved in trying something and it not working and going back and trying it again and it not working, whether it's your health or whether it's business. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, being able to say, okay, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means I have to go on to the next one. But, exactly. it, you know, or try the next, try the next thing so I won't be so tired or try the next technique. But it, exactly. it, it can be wearying when you've tried a lot of things and it's still not breaking through. Yeah, and I talk about that in the book, too. I suggest that people think of themselves like samurais. You're a samurai fighting for your good health or fighting to maintain whatever health you have. But even samurais get to stop and rest. And so if people are overwhelmed by the effort, stop, take a break, rest. And sometimes that break is a day and sometimes it's a week. As long as you won't have a setback as a result, it's okay to take a break because constantly fighting for good health is exhausting and then it becomes defeating if it's too tiring. That's very Like anything in life. I think you could apply that, as you said, to anything. Could be applied mm-hmm. to a relationship, could be applied to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. All right, let's talk about the practical challenges. And one of those things is asking for help. And you say that's tricky. It's very tricky, and it's deeply personal. Um, and so there's no template for what's right and what's wrong. I think what individuals have to do is evaluate what's going to work for them. So uh, if you ask for help from the people in your life, is that going to damage your relationships? How much help is, you know, how much is asking too much and how much is really asking too little because you don't want to admit that you need help? And I always ask for too little um, in terms of practical help. Uh, You know, I've had people buy me groceries twice, three times in 20 years. That's ridiculous. I should have asked for help more. People would have helped me. But that's just me. And so you just have to balance out how that's going to work in your individual relationships. And that applies for work, too. Um, You know, we have rights to reasonable accommodations, but some people just don't want the attention. They would rather do things if they possibly can without a reasonable accommodation. So I think the guide is to be thoughtful. What's going to work for you? What's going to work for the other individuals? Uh, How much is too much? Or are you being silly by not asking for help? Are you clinging to independence when it would really serve you better to ask for a little help? Mm. There's that pride factor, isn't there? Pardon me? Yes, for me there is. You know, it's it's, I'm too proud. I don't want to say that I need help. I don't want to feel as though I'm weak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all of that ties in. Yeah, very interesting. And conversely, now, some people just want to be taken care of, and it would serve them to be a little bit more independent. So we all have to process this for ourselves, and we have to bring integrity to that process. And balance it. As you exactly. Say, and create balance. Exactly. All right. You talk about um, the financial and legal matters. Yes. Explain that. Well, um, some people who are, uh, have a legal disability, which I do, are able to work full-time, even though it's very j- difficult and challenging, and some people are not. 
So it's very important for those people who are not able to work full-time or at all to know what benefits exist for them. And even for those of us who do work um, full-time, it's very important that we know what the partial disability is available through our employer or the state. So, for example, I've never been on permanent disability, but I've been on partial disability or short-term disability too many times to count. And so it's very important to know what's available through the state because um, partial, but short-term disability is always through the state or through your employer. Uh, so it's, you know, it's important to educate yourself before you're in a crisis. If your employer um, offers uh, short-term disability, uh, it will be in your employee handbook. So I suggest that those of us who are able to work become well-versed in that handbook, find out where the state disability office is before you need it, and what the application process is if you're eligible for it. For those people who need to go on permanent disability, they should educate themselves about Social Security. There are financial benefits available to them. Legally, there are two laws that really help and protect us. One is the American with Disabilities Act, um, and the other is, um, I'm blanking, um, uh, it's the it's the short it's the disability uh, um, it's the disability um, law uh, family medical leave act pardon me and um, it would really behoove us to become familiar with both of those laws family medical leave um, entitles us by law to take uh, up to twelve weeks per calendar year once we're off probation or once we pass a certain time mark per year. And the American with Disabilities Act protects us in the workplace from discrimination. And those are very important laws to become familiar with. And they're available on national websites, somethingsomething.gov, but it's in the back of the book, and it's very easy to Google as well. All right, and it's also in your book. Mm-hmm. Yes, All right, in the let's book. talk about the spiritual considerations. Um, I think um, there are people with very defined faiths, And I think those people are fortunate because there's a structure from which they can ask for help and they have um, uh, a divine being they can turn to. And I think if they're not already exploring that part of their lives or fully invested in it, it's worth exploring. But I think that meditation is good for anybody and that's a spiritual activity. I think sometimes just walking without headphones on, just being in nature or walking quietly can be a spiritual activity. But I think that it's very important to pe- for people who or don't already have a defined faith or spiritual activity to explore those options. And again, it doesn't have to be religious and it doesn't have to involve a deity, but something that brings peace to their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and personally, I think that my struggles would have been much harder without my faith. They would be radically different. I'm yeah. eternally grateful. Yeah. So anything that you can do, as you said, that's spiritually oriented, friends and connections also can make a difference. you agree there? Yes. And again, it really depends on how much people are comfortable disclosing. I think if you have one person, you can reach out and say, I'm having a bad day. Um, That's very important. It's very important for my mental health patients, and we encourage them to do that. And it's very important for those of us with physical health. Sometimes you just need to reach out and feel the love, and it really makes a difference. And if, you know, you don't live with somebody, um, there's usually somebody. I've really only met one person in my entire personal life and professional life who really said she had nobody. Um, And we made very sure 
that she was connected to her therapist. I called the therapist personally and said, you need to know this person has nobody. Um, But almost everybody has one person. And sometimes we don't want to share because we're embarrassed or we want to be viewed as independent and normal, even if normal is a variable term. Uh, And we need to put that aside and get some support. It really is vital. Sometimes it's life or death to get that support emotionally. Isolation is is deadly. It's killing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of us face loneliness, and that's another issue. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's part of this. Yes, and I think the world has changed. I actually discovered this after I wrote the book, but there's entire communities online. So for people who are able to be online, which is not everybody, some people are too disabled to do that. But for people who are able to get online, I think those online communities can be really um, a lifeline for folks. I think it's very, very important. Um, So, you know, but people find communities in lots of different ways. They go to support groups. They belong to online communities. They develop online individual relationships. um, They have friends and family if they're fortunate. Um, they have spiritual communities, if, even if they don't have a lot of friends and family, but someplace they can go once a week and feel unconditional acceptance. All those are vitally important, and any combination is good. Anything is good. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are talking to Joanna Charnas, and her book is Living Well with Chronic Illness. And you can log on to give us the website so people can get your book, Joanna. Uh, the website where you can purchase the book is on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. My website is joannacharnas.com. Okay. Thanks so much. We'll be right back with Joanna right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Stay tuned. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The schizophrenia community faces tough challenges every day. The community includes individuals living with schizophrenia, their partners, parents, children, siblings, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and also their providers of health care and social services. To hear Dr. Gordon Atherley introduce members of the Schizophrenia community who are sharing their experiences, tune in to Schizophrenia Community Radio every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Hospitality News Network for a look inside the travel, hotel, restaurant, and hospitality industry. Host Stephen Nicole and his guests will teach you everything you've wanted to know about this fascinating industry. 
Who knows? You might just want to change your own career path. At the very least, you might end up being a preferred customer. The Hospitality News Network is broadcast live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone and welcome back to the second half of our first half hour and my guest is joanna charnas her book is Living Well with Chronic Illness. Joanna Charnas spent her formative years in New York. She's a social worker licensed to practice psychotherapy, and she has been working with the mental health department of a large California teaching hospital. And her book is very much about her own process and how she helps other people because her chronic illness has been chronic fatigue syndrome. And again, she now has developed a toolbox of tips and resources and shares this in her book, Living Well with Chronic Illness. Welcome back, Joanna. Thank you, Patricia. All right. So one of the things that I want to ask you is one of the things that isn't talked about that much in all of this is how you take a chronic illness, whether it's chronic fatigue or something else, and deal with personal, intimate relationships. I think that's a great topic, and I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, It's different if you're already in a long-term relationship than if you're seeking one, Mm -hmm. but I think there's some overlap. I think if you're already in a relationship when you become sick, it's very, very important to find some balance in the relationship. How much does um, your partner want to take care of you? How much does your partner want to hear? How much you want and need to be taken care of, how much you want to share, because sometimes you don't want to feel like you have to report how involved you want them. And those are issues that you have to sort out emotionally and communicate with your partner about. But I think it's probably easier if you're already in a relationship. I think that it's very frightening for people to be single and then to be diagnosed with a chronic illness. I think you have to have a very strong ego to feel like you are still whole and beautiful and worthy exactly the way you are, but you are. You are still absolutely perfect the way you are, and I think you have to remember that. Everybody has something. Everybody. And that's harder, though. I mean, how do you handle that if you're single and you're dating? That's a different issue. Specifically, I think I wait until I, and I was advised to do this by a professional, after my divorce. I had not been diagnosed until I was married. I was diagnosed during my marriage, and then after I was divorced, I had to figure out how to do this. So I feel like people have a right to know, and they have a right to make an informed decision, and it doesn't make them wrong if they don't want to sign on. They have a right, just like they have a right if they really like tall, skinny blondes or plump, you know, curvy brunettes. They have a right to be with the person they want to be with. So full disclosure is important. So I 
wait until I feel like there's some level of intimacy developing, either emotional or physical. And that's somewhere around the third date where I'm really getting to know the person. And that's not a formula because it changes with each person I date. But usually what I say is, you know, I, got to, I better tell you something. I want to tell you something. Um, and I tell them that I have a chronic illness and that um, I've had it since I was 19 and that I've managed it my entire life and that I have a full life and that I take care of myself, but that I might need to rest a lot more than they do, that I might need more breaks and more rest. And usually people don't bat an eyelash. It's amazing. They don't seem to care. No, that's great. Um, and I yeah. think because I'm so undramatic about it and matter-of-fact, um, that helps. So it's not that I don't feel that we should not share our feelings about our illness. But as I say in the book, I think the point of doing that is not when we disclose. As you get to know somebody and at your comfort level and theirs, it's fine to share how you really feel, your deepest feelings. But at the beginning, just tell them what's going on. And, you know, at my age, I'm in my mid-50s, and I still date and have since my divorce. Everybody has something. Everybody's got a, an ex that they struggle with or children that they're responsible for who may have issues or aging parents or they've been laid off and are underemployed or something. By the time you hit, you know, a certain age, everybody's got something that's hard for them in their lives, and they may be managing it beautifully. It doesn't mean that it's going to um, affect your relationship negatively, but everybody has something. So my thing is my illness, and I try to manage it beautifully as well. Mm, very just, beautifully said. Beautifully said, really. You know, particularly as you get older. And let, let's carry that one step further. Let's talk about your body image, looking good and feeling good. I think that when people become impaired physically, even if it's just what your capabilities are as opposed to your looks, but I think it's even harder with your looks. It's very easy to slide down um, into feeling unworthy. Um, And I think it takes a lot of mindfulness and conscious effort to move away from that. And there's lots and lots and lots of literature and books and stuff on the internet about mindfulness. So I'm not going to talk about that now, but Mindfulness is what's required. And to really, what I advise people, and I actually talked to someone at length about this yesterday, is to just put your best foot forward always. So for me, that means never leaving the house without feeling good about myself. It doesn't mean that I'm dressed, you know, to go to theater or theater circa 1950. It means I feel good when I leave my house, and I don't leave my house until I feel good. And it doesn't matter whether I'm in heels or jeans. I don't leave until I feel good, period. And if someone's coming to visit me, I feel good when they come over. I have really nice loungewear. I don't own sweats. I don't want anybody to ever see me in sweats. And I think it's just about making sure I feel good, as good as I can about myself. My weight tends to fluctuate like a lot of middle-aged people, and... I need to feel good at my goal weight, just like I do if I'm 20 pounds overweight. You know, I got to look good. Very sound advice. Now, you were talking before the break about information about resources. You talked about internet resources, patient advocacy groups, support groups, medical journals. Add a little more about that. There are a number of resources in the back of my book. I like 
I like the Mayo Clinic, and there's some others in the back of the book. I wrote this book a while ago, so I'd have to go look. Uh, let's see. Let's look at the resources. I like WebMD. I like the CDC.gov. I particularly like the Mayo Clinic for people struggling with um, mental illness. I think uh, NAMI.org is good. Um, so if, uh, and I think what I advise people to do is put in the name of their illness and the name of their town or city or state and find out what the local resources are and then go to become associated with those organizations. Okay. And there's, there's, you know, the Internet is a wonderful thing. And if people are not able to access it because of their own limitations, ask a friend or a family member to do it for you or with you. Because okay. not everybody can move. People are, you know, paralyzed or too weak to do that. Now, in terms of taking care of yourself, you say do what works. But let's talk about breathing. Let's talk about wellness, eating well, exercising, sleeping enough. What, what do you have to say? those things meditating I, I water think, you know none of us none of us want to be sick and we want to act as if we did when we were in our 20s at our healthiest and none of us can do that anymore but we really can't do it if we're struggling with physical or mental illness and so it's very important that our baseline be basic wellness so basic wellness and again there's much information on the internet about this for anybody who's interested in researching it if they're not familiar with that term. But basic wellness is plan to get enough sleep. Now, I have terrible insomnia, which is part of my illness, but I'm in bed on time almost every night, whether I sleep, whether I'm sleeping or not. Practice good sleep hygiene, and you can Google that too. People can Google that too. Practice good sleep hygiene. Eat nutritiously. No matter what else I eat during a day, the baseline of my diet that day is good food. I may still have three pieces of chocolate cake, but before I eat the chocolate cake, I've had greens and vegetable, you know, and protein, etc. The baseline for one's uh, eating should always be healthy, regardless of what else they're indulging in, if they're having a day where they indulge or whatever their struggles are with food. Um, exercise to your to your abilities. So I have to ex- exercise in moderation, and there are days and weeks when I can't. But when I can, I do. Period. Find out what works for you, check with your doctor, check with a trainer if you need to, and do what you can in moderation. Um, And that's what I do. Um, I think meditation is great, and sometimes that's just sitting quietly and breathing deeply. Um, Sometimes it's a walking meditation meditation where you walk and you don't have your headphones on. Um, Prayer, for those who like to pray, I think is a good daily activity. Um, Wash your hands often. Yes, yes, I do that. You talked about complementary as well, mind-body medicine, um, energy medicine, massage therapy. You talked about those complementary. I found those very helpful as well. Yes, I think it's good to have a big toolkit because sometimes all the tools aren't working, and that way you have some balance. And people can um, shop around. And even if you have very limited finances, for example, massage schools will either give you a free, lower, or low-cost massage. Um, There are places that have free things or very low-cost things. Um, And again, it takes a little bit of research, but then you have it. So I have access. I love jacuzzis. I find them very soothing. I have access to a free jacuzzi. Um, I have a massage school up the street, et cetera, ad nauseum. 
but it's good to have a complementary practice, and all of them work for somebody, and some of them work for everybody. What would you like to leave our listeners with today, Joanna, about living well with chronic illness? What's your message? My message is never give up, never stop seeking. Remember, you are perfect exactly the way you are, and there is still joy in your future no matter what. Thank you so much for being on the program. It was really very helpful and inspirational as well. Thank you so much for having me, Patricia. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Tell me uh, how to get your book again. Tell our listeners. Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. All right. And again, the name of the book is Living Well with Chronic Illness. And it's by Joanna Charnas, who has been our guest today. Again, it was really great to have you on, Joanna. Thank you so much, Patricia. All right. All right. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our next interview right afterwards. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com. America's Voice will be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.